Welcome to the Therapy Thoughts Podcast. This is Tiffany Rowe. I'm a clinical mental health counselor and psychology teacher in Utah, and I want to change the mental health game. The Therapy Thoughts Podcast is all about breaking down therapy-related topics and making mental health information easy to understand and super accessible. So join me for quick and direct educational episodes and some deeper dives with experts from around the world. Together, we are going to break down stigma. We're going to help each other make peace with mind, body, and food. We're going to make therapy cool and invest time in our mental health. Let's do it here, one therapy thought at a time. What's up, Therapy Thoughts fam? This is T. Rowe coming at you live here in Utah. Let's change the mental health game. This is your crash course on communication. Once again, a topic that we all should have learned about growing up, and none of us did. I am super stoked to be able to give you the education that I have learned to pass on the mental health skills and tools that will help you. Communication skills are necessary human skills And you know what happens if we don't learn the new skill? If we don't study this and build the muscle of communication, we're just going to act the exact way we observed in our childhood homes. So the way you communicate, your communication style, your conflict style, your boundaries, how you validate, do you listen, do you interrupt, all these things, unless you learn the skills and the tools to communicate, you're just going to recreate and do exactly what you observed in your family of origin. So if you grew up with explosive parents, if you grew up with abuse, throwing TVs, punching walls, yelling, hitting, shaming, that's going to affect you and influence how you communicate. And when you are exposed to explosive, out-of-control communication styles. You too are going to have your entire nervous system impacted by that. Your ability to regulate will be impacted by that. And you're going to go into fight, flight, or freeze, or fawn simply based on your exposure to that type of trauma. Did you grow up in a family where it was shut down, shove under the rug, ignore, pretend like this didn't happen, avoid? Did you have both types of communication styles and temperaments in your family? If we don't learn healthy communication skills, assertiveness skills, conflict resolution, boundaries, if we don't learn how to communicate, how are we going to communicate? We're just going to recreate what we saw. Now, some of you may have had really great role models. That's awesome. I hope your communication game is killer. And there's still more to learn with communication. So I'm going to give you some of the basics here today. Let's talk about the the core communication styles. Now, the research supports assertive communication as the most adaptive for mental health. Assertive communication is going to support academic health, emotional health, mental health, emotional regulation. It's going to reduce the risk of all kinds of things that threaten mental health. So we stand by assertive communication. That's the goal. Assertive communication is flexible. So that's what's cool about it. It's not rigid. It's flexible. It's bendable. You're going to use I statements when you're an assertive assertive communicator. 
instead of the blame game over generalizing, attacking, denying reality, I statements, and I'll teach you about those here in a bit. With assertive communication, you focus on personal responsibility. So instead of going into the victim loop of blaming, ignoring, not looking at your part, personal responsibility is going to say, okay, so what's this got to do with me? What are my thoughts that are fueling my feelings? How does my reality, how does my belief system fuel this? How does what I think and feel and do and behave influence this person? You look at your responsibility and your accountability. With assertive communication, a rule we do want to follow is not blaming. We don't want to overgeneralize. And that would be you always do this. You never do this. We want to be direct. Directness, particularly for women, can easily turn into name calling or be frowned upon. A lot of us are socialized to caretake, downplay, be submissive, don't have a voice. So it's often misunderstood or judged as being aggressive when simply you're being direct. So I'm here passing on the education that is research-based that assertive communication is direct. Your other options are to be abrasive or aggressive or withdrawn or scheming. We don't want to do any of that. We want to be direct. That's assertive communication. Assertive communication is calm. So you're not just popping off. Your lid's not popping off. You're not blowing up. Just because you feel something doesn't mean you have to act on it. You're not punching walls. You remain in your window of tolerance or you learn how to regulate in the moment even if things are tense. You are able to say, wow, I'm escalating. I know how to stay calm. Maybe you're going to call on a timeout or use some emotional regulation skills, but being assertive means you stay calm. You're not communicating in high emotion. My number one rule for Tiffany Rowe is do not have a crucial conversation when you're pissed off. My rule is I'm not allowed to communicate when I'm angry because I will become aggressive. If I want to remain assertive and calm, I got to be calm. And so you do whatever it takes to get into that calm space. And I'll teach you about a timeout here in a second. The, the payoff of assertive communication is it's win-win. So it's, it's not, you know, trying to yourself, get yourself to win at the expense of others. It's going to work for both parties. Now, the next communication style is aggressive. I saw a lot of aggressive communication in my family of origin. This looks like abrasive, angry, explosive communication passion. There's no emotional regulation. And that can be traumatizing for children in that space. It can lead to that child recreating that type of environment or kind of going the other direction and trying to hide. Either way, it affects a person's nervous system and development and how they're able to regulate their own emotions. What you see with aggressive communication is not only explosiveness or yelling or popping off or hitting. It doesn't have to be that. It can also be subtle, aggressive things. You statements, your fault, blaming, overgeneralizing. You always do this. You never do this. This is all your fault. Victimizing others, but really you're playing a victim by trying to victimize others. It's going to be abrasive my way or the highway. <clears throat> it's going to be emotionally based. So if I'm angry you're going to know it, and I'm going to communicate in that headspace. 
if I'm hurt or guilty, I'm going to come in with the blame game and you're going to know it. It's win-lose. So the aggressive person is trying to win, but at the loss of others. Passive communication is going to be me statements. You're going to see the victim stance here with this approach. Poor me. The world's against me. There's nothing I can do. There's learned helplessness here. Silence followed by outbursts. So kind of shoving it down, um, not trying to address things, but it catches up. You're going to see this type of communication pattern being withdrawn withholding, maybe stonewalling, not talking, avoiding. You're going to see the patterns of emotional numbness, avoidance. You're going to see over-apologizing, a very apologetic, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt with this passive. And it's lose-lose, right? There's there, No one wins in this type of approach to communication. Another communication approach or style you've heard of is passive-aggressive. You're going to hear they statements. The classic example of this is I'm going to talk crap about someone at Thanksgiving while they're in the room and maybe they can even overhear me or they can see me kind of talking about them or shrugging my shoulders or, you know, using my nonverbals to be aggressive in a passive way. So it's a resentful driven communication style. There's a two face, you know, to your face, there's going to be a passiveness trying to play cool because they don't want to be assertive or direct, but then behind your back, they're aggressive. It's an undermining communication style. Um, it's behind the scenes. It's gossiping. It's indirect. It's scheming. There's emotional incongruence with passive aggressive communication styles. So I'm going to be apologetic, but have a lot of shame and guilt or resentment. And this type of style tends to sabotage relationships. They sabotage connection and trust. Um, it, it's not a safe style for people to really invest in because it's easy to see through. So if we want to become more assertive, which is the goal, I'm just going to give you the communication 101. I got to plug my course here. I have a communication course that I've already done. That's going to go more in depth and give you what you need to know here. But I think this will be a great complement to that. I'm trying to talk about things a little bit more in depth than this that I don't in that course. But it is an affordable course, tiffanyrow.com. You can grab it. It's an audio course with lots of cool supplements. But I suggest everyone grab that. Do the work. Do the workbook. Listen to it while you drive around. Re-listen to it. You can also grab my Navigating Family Relationships course during the holidays, which I specifically talk about more tips when you're getting with your family. It's also a communication course. Now let's talk about I statements. I statements, I mean, you've probably heard of them. This is a really standard psychological communication tool, but you know what? I hadn't heard of them until I did. So I'm going to teach you. There's no shame. We don't know what we know until we know it. I statements are a assertive communication tool. The point is speaking in a way that is going to lessen blaming, lessen overgeneralizing, reduce the risk of defensiveness, and help you be assertive. I statements take responsibility for your feelings while tactfully describing a problem. So there's a simple, a very simple formula. I feel blank when blank. Now you can Google I statements and there's a lot of twists and turns and maybe there's a three-step one and use your five senses, but I like to just keep it freaking simple when we're learning a new language here. I feel blank when blank. 
So the idea is instead of blaming or overgeneralizing or attacking someone, you are focusing on your reality and your, your specific feelings. I feel blank when blank. So here's some examples. I feel blank means you say, I feel a emotion. The number one mistake or, you know, learning curve people have to overcome is saying, I feel, but they don't say a feeling. They go into a descriptive sentence of thoughts. I feel should be a one word emotional feeling statement, not a sentence of thoughts. So pick one feeling. I feel angry. I feel hurt. I feel worried. I feel scared. I feel misunderstood. Whatever it is, I feel blank and really hold back from using I feel to then explain all of your thoughts and anger to the person. I feel what? One for one word, one feeling. And then when you want to explain, I feel angry when blank. And that's the explanation. I feel worried when I don't get a text from you when you're going to be late. So I feel worried. That's the emotion. When? And you're describing the behavior you're seeing from the person that is creating this this experience for you. They are not responsible for your feeling. You could be feeling any number of things, but what you're trying to express is, hey, when this happened, I felt this. Let's communicate about that. So I feel worried when I don't get a text from you when you're going to be late. I feel hurt when I heard you to tell me to calm down. I feel bummed when I noticed the dishes weren't done when you said you would do them. Instead of saying, you never do the effing dishes, you're saying, I feel what? And we work through this by owning our emotion based on what we observe in the world. So use careful wording because even if you're using these perfect scripts, if your voice is still hella sarcastic or blaming, try to be assertive, which is calm and direct. You don't have to tiptoe. You don't need to be passive aggressive. You can just use a calm, even tone of saying, I feel blank when blank. When is the explanation, whatever behavior you're seeing or observing. So you practice this. Something else that's like communication 101, which I talk about in my communication course, timeouts. I want everyone to know the skill of taking a timeout. A timeout is a valid skill to help you stay assertive. If you are unable to be assertive in communication for whatever reason, usually emotional escalation, then you can call a timeout. So step one, create a timeout contract with your partner. And we're going to say, we are going to agree to call a timeout when we start getting a little heated. If we're getting angry, which is a timeout boundary I have, if I'm getting angry, I'm going to call a timeout. So discuss when timeouts will be called. Whenever you're activated, you could say, if I'm angry, overwhelmed, I'm about to explode, I'm shutting down, I'm dissociating, I'm numbing out, I'm overwhelmed, I can't think straight, and identify the signs of your activation. When are you freaked out? When do you need to take some space and step away? Plan this stuff out ahead of time. You don't want to do this in the middle of a fight. Do this after listening to the podcast and say, hey, let's listen to this podcast together. Let's create a timeout contract and write this stuff out. Here's when we call a timeout. And how do we know when we're activated? What are the signs? 
my heart's pounding. I'm getting really angry. My jaw's clenching. I can't think. I'm sweating. I'm pacing. I'm, I can't look at you in the eyes and identify those types of signs and put that in the contract so you know like, oh, shoot, I need to take a contract now or I need to take a timeout now. And then you call a timeout. You can have a verbal and nonverbal cue. If that's like the typical T sign with your hands, you don't have to say anything. You could just be like, once I hit that T with my hands, it's a timeout. Or you can do it verbally. I need to take a timeout. I need to step away. I'm, uh, I'm activated right now. I'm about to get super pissed off or go into fight or flight or freeze. I need a timeout. So call a timeout and talk about what that's going to look like. The next step of a timeout contract is you honor when a timeout is called. So that means there is a mutually agreed upon respect here. That's why I say literally write a contract and like magnet that thing to your fridge. If someone calls a timeout, we respect that. We will not follow the person out. We will not block the door. We will not harass them. We both agree that timeouts are in our best interest and goals as a couple. We want to have assertive communication. We want to be respectful. We want to resolve conflict. So we're going to respect the timeout once it's called. Next, when someone calls a timeout, the discussion ends. There's no talking in to it. There's no talking out of it. There's no blame or manipulation or I knew you were going to abandon me. Let's, we are trying to use this tool to have effective communication. So we end discussion. Don't try to get the last word in. And when you choose to take a timeout, you need to communicate the following. Okay. Asterisk bookmark. This is important. This is really important. When you're about to take a timeout, you have to say what you're going to do. Hey, I'm calling a timeout. I'm activated. I'm going to go to the movies or I'm going to go to Walmart. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go in the bedroom. Two, what are you going to do where you're going? I'm going to go to Walmart. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to go in my room and I'm going to listen to music. I'm going to work out. I'm going to go right. I'm going to go try to calm down. So I'm going to Walmart to chill my head out. I'm going to go to the gym to try to work out. So what are you going to do? Where are you going? And then three, when are you going to return? This is the most important part, fam, because we bring in attachment styles here, which I'll do a whole podcast episode this uh, season on attachment styles. But if you have an avoidant attachment figure in this relationship or conflict and an anxious attachment, what we're trying to do is to create safety and certainty. Pick a number of minutes or hours and a time up for the time out. So I'm going to be gone for two hours. I'm going to be gone for six hours. I'm going to be gone for 30 minutes. So whatever that timeline is that you need to calm down and, and re, you know, get back to where you are. One to 24 hours. If you go longer than a day, it turns into avoidance and stonewalling typically. So we want to avoid that. We want to commit to return and repair any out of control conflict that's happening. So I will be gone for X amount. And even if I'm not chilled out yet, I will come back when I said I would, you can guarantee that. So the anxious person knows I'm not being abandoned and the avoidant person potentially is held accountable to finish this conflict loop. The anxious person can't pursue or demand we talk now and the avoidant person can't avoid forever. So we, we have these boundaries of we follow this timeline, we come back and we repair the conflict. 
when you're on a timeout, the point is for you to not sit there and ruminate and think about all the reasons you hate this person or why why this relationship sucks. What you're doing is trying to de-escalate and come to a point of reconciliation or repairing. Before you leave, make sure you leave in a respectful manner. Don't slam the door. Don't scream at the person. Don't say, get get the H out of here. Just the point is to be assertive, right? While you take a time out, it's not helpful to obsess or ruminate. It's time to cool down. It's time to reflect. It's time to be mindful. How can I be productive? How can I resolve conflict? Think about options for how to solve the problem. So consider some of the stuff. Use I statements during your time out. Okay, what am I feeling? What am I thinking? Am I blaming? Am I overgeneralizing? Am I personalizing? Can you see the other person's thoughts, feelings, or triggers in the situation? Can you see where they're coming from? Can you guess as to what their thoughts and feelings are? What can I take responsibility for? What can I control? What's out of my control? And think about returning to repair and communicate and work through things and come up with solutions. And if you need more time when you get back, let's say you took a three-hour break, you go back and you're still heated, you could take another time out or say, what do we need to do next? Do we need to like distract? Do we need to go do something else? Do we need to call our therapist? Uh, the last kind of crash 101 skill I'll give you in this podcast for communication is reflective listening. This will really help you. Make sure to also listen to my last podcast on validation. That is, you know, a 30-minute podcast all about a skill that will really complement all things communication that's also needed. Reflective listening is a piece of that. Reflective listening is a communication strategy and it's used to show that you understand someone's idea. So I'm hearing you. I'm listening to you. I'm present. I understand what you are saying. And then the reflective part is you offer the idea back to the speaker to confirm that it's been understood. So I'm listening to you and I'm reflecting that I've understood. So what you want to do is, you know, with communication 101, being assertive, using I statements, taking timeouts is to practice being a really good listener and reflecting that. So I reflect, I acknowledge your response. I'm reflecting the content. Yeah, I heard you say like it hurts your feelings when I did X, Y, or Z. Yeah, that's that's painful. I see that. I can reflect that. You're telling me you're hurt. Yes. Reflect the meaning to them. Oh, this could feel like I don't care. You're worried. Like I'm not invested in this relationship. Summarizing all the things you're hearing. This is all how we reflect and show that we're listening. Reflective listening is a skill that takes time and practice that is really useful for all communication. Um, and you just practice this. If it starts off as parroting, like you're just literally saying back to the person what they said, that might be an okay step, especially if you're with like a partner or someone and you're just trying to learn to communicate better. But a step further than just parroting would be acknowledging their responses, reflecting the content, you know, what they did that day, the, the actual content, and then reflecting the feelings, the emotions they're having, reflecting the meaning of that, trying to summarize what someone says. Those are the, the steps of reflective listening. Um, if you want more on like conflict resolution specifically, boundaries, validation, more skills, you can get those in my course. But I want to name before we end 
the fair fighting rules. When it comes to communication, I mean, it's it's tied to conflict, right? Uh, the University of Texas at Austin has created this list of fair fighting ground rules. And when I worked with folks in court-mandated domestic violence treatment, um, we learned a lot about communication and conflict resolution and fair fighting and dealing with conflict. So I want to share these with you because, again, it's just like standard education we're all deserving of. So good conflict ground rules, fair fighting rules, remain calm. We don't want to overreact to difficult situations. If we remain calm, it's easier for everyone. And if you're not able to stay calm, that's why we take a timeout, right? And we're trying to stay calm because that's assertive and we're trying to de-escalate and see the other person's point of view. Next would be express feelings and words, not actions. So if you're telling someone directly and honestly how you feel, that's really powerful. That's why we use I statements. If you're starting to feel so angry or upset that you're like losing control and you can't express yourself, that's why we take the time out, help yourself to get more steady. We don't want you punching walls or doing something in the heat of the moment where you're dysregulated and your brain isn't able to think logically. So using word statements, using feeling statements, I statements, not acting in the emotion. Uh, be specific about what's bothering you. Again, this is that I statement. Vague complaints are hard to work on, but if you can say, I feel let down that the dishes weren't done when you said you would do them, we can work on that. We can talk about that. Deal with only one issue at a time. This is big. This is also avoiding the, the kitchen sink effect. So we're not trying to bring up all the things in all the world. One thing at a time, y'all. One issue at a time. Don't introduce other topics until you have discussed other things. It's actually aggressive to use this kitchen sink effect where people start throwing in all the complaints and not allowing anything to be resolved. Being assertive is right here, right now. Don't bring up all the old baggage. Another fair fighting rule to be assertive and to communicate is no hitting below the belt. So we don't want to attack personal things. Attacking areas of like personal sensitivity is that it's not going to make them safe. There's going to be more distrust. They're not going to be vulnerable. They're going to shut down. So we're not trying to hurt someone. If the goal is I want to communicate assertively, I want to practice communication skills, I want to get better at conflict resolution, you can do this. Avoid accusations. Um, it's just not assertive. It's aggressive to accuse people and blame people. Again, focus on the I statements. You can talk about how you feel and what actions impact have on you. So if someone's actions impacted you in a certain way, remember, they're not responsible for your feeling. You're responsible for expressing your feeling and talking about how that has impacted you. And that's the communication transition. Don't generalize. That's another fair fighting rule. Don't say words never. Don't say words always. Generalizations are usually inaccurate. We don't want to speak in hyperbole when it comes to like these, these tender moments. We don't want to heighten tension. Um, avoid clamming up. If someone is getting silent and stops responding, let's take a time out. There's got to be a two-way communication. And then the last thing, watch out for make-believe. You don't want to exaggerate or invent a complaint. Watch out for hyperbole. Watch out for like just making it bigger than it is. Uh, stick to facts. Be honest. Don't try to stockpile grievances over the last 10 years. Try to deal with the problem as it arrives. Head over to tiffanyrow.com and you can grab my communication course or 
the Navigating Family Relationships course, which is just more in communication. I hope this helps you. Um, I've learned these things in my graduate studies and in my decade plus of being a therapist. And I just want all of us to have these skills. Um, there's no perfection here, just progress. That's what therapy is. That's what feeling, dealing, healing is. If you love therapy thoughts and the work that we're doing together, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave me comments, rate it. Let's get that five-star rating and let's spread the word. Let's change this mental health game. If someone you know would benefit from this education, share it. Um, if you love it, save it, listen to it. Let's let's help as many people as we can. Uh, now more than ever, we need these tools and skills, fam. Okay, may you be well. I appreciate you tuning in and supporting the Therapy Thoughts podcast. If you want to dive deeper into intuitive eating and body image and self-love, head over to tiffanyrow.com. It's the hub of all of my courses, the podcast, my merch, and information about doing counseling and coaching with me. I hope you guys stick around for more. We have lots of exciting interviews and thought leaders coming onto the podcast. So until next time, may you be well. Thanks for listening to the Therapy Thoughts podcast, but remember, this podcast is not therapy. This is for general informational purposes only. The information on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any condition, illness, or disease. This also isn't intended to be financial, legal, medical, or therapeutic advice. Make sure you're always working with your own personal licensed mental health counselor. May you be well. Thank you.